الجزيرة بودكاست China's president says his country and Russia are driving geopolitical changes globally. Xi Jinping has been in Moscow in a show of support for Vladimir Putin. But what do those changes mean for the broader world order? And how does the West view Xi's visit? I'm Nastasia Tay, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guests now. In Moscow, we have Sergei Markov. He's director of the Institute of Political Studies in Moscow. He was also a former public spokesman for President Putin. In Beijing is Henry Huya Wang. He's founder and president of the Center for China and Globalization Think Tank. And in Washington, D.C. is Toby Gatti. She's a specialist in Russia-U.S. relations. She's also a former special assistant to President Bill Clinton and a former senior director for Russia, Ukraine, and Eurasian states at the U.S. National Security Council. A warm welcome to you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on Inside Story. I believe this was, what, the 40th time that Putin and she have met? That's quite remarkable. I know they've previously celebrated birthdays together, made dumplings together, pledged their friendship without limits. Sergey, I know you have been very close with President Putin in the past. How would you characterize the Xi-Putin relationship? First of all, Vladimir Putin and Xi has a very uh, good uh, personal relationship because they respect each other uh, very much. Uh, uh, Vladimir Putin respects Xi uh, because he is uh, uh, managing a huge sheep uh, which is uh, almost, you know, big civilization, Chinese civilization, uh, towards the uh, global leadership mm-hmm. in the future. And we know that uh, China is developing uh, more quickly than other uh, civilization. Mm-hmm. And she respects Vladimir Putin very much because Vladimir Putin is a real fighter and because mm-hmm. uh, Vladimir Putin is a very uh, moral uh, personality. If uh, she compare Vladimir Putin with Western leaders, it's absolutely clear that most of the Western uh, leaders, like such as Biden or Scholz or Macron uh, or uh, numerous uh, British uh, prime ministers, they are uh, they quite immoral uh, personalities, which uh, uh, lying every time and which uh, uh, try to impose uh, one position to another country. And uh, they're talking honestly about democracy but uh, support 100% anti-democratic repressive regime in Ukraine. Also, uh, uh, Russia and China, uh, they have to uh, work together because both of them under the aggression of the United mm-hmm. States and America led a big coalition, which include almost 50 countries mm-hmm. uh, in the world. Uh, well, you say, uh, I'm sorry, Sergey, I, I want to bring in Henry here because you say that this is also about countering some kind of aggression from the West. And I see more language has come out of this visit, very similar to what we saw in February last year, and that was, what, 20 days just before the Russian invasion. Now they've signed a joint statement titled Deepening the Comprehensive Strategic Partnership of Coordination for the New Era and Stress-Settling the Ukraine Crisis Through Dialogue. That's a lot to cover in less than three days. And I noticed that Ukraine actually only gets a mention in point nine of nine. Henry, for Beijing, is this about Ukraine? Or is this more about a, a push for this so-called new era? Well, I think that uh, actually uh, President Xi's visit to, is, is very timely. And of course, China just finished the two section. Uh, we got a new, uh, you know, terms of the government, uh, all sworn in and uh, new state council. 
So traditionally, uh, you know, China and Russia have enjoyed good relations. They have the longest borders in the world. I mean, so so that's always a tradition that the you know they uh, have the, both countries in good terms. But I think more significantly is that this time, that, uh, as the foreign ministry spokesperson mentioned, this is a peace mission. Uh, just before President Xi's visit, uh, uh, China Foreign Minister Qing Gang actually spoke to Ukraine Foreign Minister and also uh, China top diplomat Wang. He has met Ukraine Foreign Minister in Munich, uh, where I was uh, in Munich conference, uh, attending that conference as well. So, so I think there's a lot of dialogue already. And also on top of that, China just published this uh, 12-point uh, peace mm. position paper uh, that outlined China's uh, peace plan for, for Ukraine-Russian you know, conflict. And also, of course, uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, China just uh, broke the deal between uh, is Iran and the Saudis on, on, on the peace as well, diplomatic ties. Indeed. So I think this time the China went in to just to understand both both positions, to really uh, talk to uh, President Putin and, uh, of course, find out what, what's going on. Okay. And I think, you know, it's really good. Of course, we have many bilateral relations issues, too. So... Henry, so really, I, I uh, want to look very, at the peace uh, plan and in more detail in just a moment, but I do want to bring in Toby here, because from the language that we've heard in these joint statements, and these are really hefty things, a huge amount of language that both foreign policy staffs have <clears> had to agree on in, in minute detail, it seems that the biggest thing that Beijing and Moscow have in common is the desire to counter US dominance. Toby, how is all of this being viewed in Washington? Henry says this is a peace mission. Well, uh, it may be a peace mission, but for China, it's a peace mission for a piece of the Russian economy, uh, for a lot of uh, Russian energy, and for many things that are much more important to China than the fate of Ukraine. And uh, um, the, uh, the alternative reality that we see in the Kremlin uh, in a meeting like this does not reflect the fact that Russia is a declining power in terms of China, and China's biggest fear is that Russia will not be able to handle uh, the war in Ukraine and it will lead to instability. China's fear has always been uh, uh, instability um, on the part of uh, many different countries. And I really think you're seeing a change in many relationships. Just remember what's happening in the room is, is important. Image is important for both public, certainly for Putin's public, uh, having been declared a, a war criminal last week and having closed uh, having called Memorial, which is a, an organization dedicated to uh, exposing uh, Soviet um, uh, problems in the 1930s and 40s, uh, having closed it this week. This meeting is important to show that these two leaders can talk to each other, but make no mistake about it. China has a very clear agenda. China is a rising power, and Russia is just barely holding on. And I think it's really important that the that Russia's main leverage over China is the fear that Russia will be unstable. And China does not want that, uh, doesn't want it mm -hmm. because they have a long border and also because of uh, U.S. concerns. But this Toby, meeting sorry, did expand by relations. I will look at that in a minute, but I want to touch on something that you just spoke about there, this level of instability. As you say, a hugely long border. Uh, let's throw this to Sergey, and, and I want to take apart a little bit this Chinese peace plan, this 12-point peace plan. It has been criticized in many places, including in Washington, for not being a roadmap to peace, for not being concrete enough. How is it being viewed in Moscow? Uh, in Moscow, this uh, Chinese uh, plan uh, viewing as uh, very positively. 
because uh, this uh, not so much plan, but more uh, principles of the uh, peace resolution of the conflict. Russia is interesting uh, about peace resolution of the conflict in Ukraine, because from our point of view, it's some kind of civil war between two wings of the Russian people. From our position, Ukrainians is the same as Russian. Uh, Russians, part of the uh, big Russian people. And uh, so we really should think about uh, stopping uh, this war. We believe this, this is war, not war between Russia and Ukraine, but this war between Russia and United States of America, and it's United States of America aggression against Russia using uh, occupation of the Ukraine from 2014 when United States overthrown the last democratic electorate elected president of Ukraine and oppose dictatorship, Russophobic, uh, xenophobic uh, and uh, regime to Ukrainian people and use Ukrainian army as proxy. So we very should think to stop this war. But at the same time, uh, Chinese plan, it's, as I already mentioned, not so much plan, but more principles. Mm -hmm. Now the time for the Chinese uh, principles didn't come yet because Washington, uh, if you may know, are uh, very clearly against peace negotiation uh, with Russia or the uh, peace in Ukraine. Uh, United States wants only war and killing, killing and war. Uh, uh, that's why uh, we, will have, uh, we will have to come through the uh, spring period of the uh, intensive fighting between Russian and Ukrainian uh, okay. uh, pro-American I... army. And after these, so, yeah, I, I want to throw this back to Toby here because you say the Americans have no interest in ending the war. Toby, do you think that's the Let case? Me, and I, 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 I'm okay. Go, go for it. Okay. I mean, um, the Chinese. It's very good the Chinese came forward with principles um, because the United Nations also has principles. And if China really cared about principles, it wouldn't have abstained on the. Uh, 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 um, a resolution in the Security Council on the war. Those were the principles. That was the UN. That's the forum. The Chinese don't really want to do the hard work of making peace in uh, Ukraine. And it's really, it's far from them. Ukraine's far from them. They have many, many interests in Asia. And I, I can understand that. And so for the Russians to think that the Chinese are going to play any large role, I mean, imagine the conversation where she has to tell Putin what Zelensky has told him about Russia's policy. I don't see this happening. This is not a Chinese uh, uh, Chinese uh, role. Well, I think the Chinese have their own interests. Let's their ask development that question then nothing to, do with Russia. to our, our guests from She's Beijing uh, in terms of the role that China hopes to play here. Henry, I, I'm curious about where China sees this conversation going and, and where this desire to become such a mediator is coming from. You mentioned the deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. They're obviously trying to, to become a bit of a broker on the global stage, but specifically, it seems, on issues where their own interests at stake. Is this about reputation building for Xi, or does it go beyond that? Well, certainly, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's the Chinese reputation, of course, and uh, China is trying to promote the talks and peace and, and all together. I think right now, uh, uh, you know, as we hear that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Russian, uh, Ukraine's Russian's uh, conflict, but the behind, you know, behind that, behind Ukraine, you, you got NATO, you got uh, Western countries. So China is actually busy talking to not only to President Putin, but also to uh, Western leaders. Um, of, uh, you know, we, we're having uh, shells came here, 
that they said, okay, there's no nuclear weapon to be used. But also we, we're having President, French President Macron is coming, Italian Prime Minister coming, uh, Spanish Prime Minister coming, European President will come in, you know, German Foreign Minister coming as well. So you have a host of the people have a stake in the, in the fight that actually talking mm -hmm. to the Chinese. So, so I think, you know, we probably also thought leaders would talk to Zelensky uh, at some point of time. So I think, you know, China's position, Henry, even though it's more in principle, Henry, but also there's a number are, of people are speaking there. to China. I wonder, is there perhaps more space now for China to act as a mediator, given the timing? We've now seen this arrest warrant um, issued for Putin by the ICC. That could potentially limit his ability to travel or to dialogue with other leaders. Uh, Toby, do you think that that creates more space for Beijing? Well, I think Beijing um, ought to stop looking at what's happening in NATO and look what happened yesterday. The Japanese prime minister was in Bucha, was in Ukraine. So I think the world around China is changing uh, in a way maybe that China is not too happy about, uh, increased military spending in Asia. So the consequence of this war uh, uh, for China are very great. And, you know, China, uh, you talk about the Iran-Saudi uh, agreement. Remember, there were talks for two years and then China came in at the last minute and brokered the agreement. These things take a long, long time. I don't think China is going to invest in, in um, peace in, in, in Ukraine, but it is very interested in having Russia uh, remain a stable country, uh, a weaker country than China, for sure, uh, economically. And the agreements that are signed um, are very much in China's interest. Um, uh, uh, fuel and oil and sure. gas to China and um, uh, Chinese business in Russia. But just remember, the U.S. interest in talking to China is going to focus on one thing very clearly. Do not send weapons to Ukraine. I, I want to get China to gets in the weapons in a, in a minute, Toby. Then it's Toby. a very different ballgame. But one of the things you mentioned there is these very, very comprehensive agreements that we've seen. And it goes well beyond... Um, the, the kind of broader economics that we would necessarily expect. I noticed that it, it also now says that the, the main state-owned broadcasters of the two countries are going to be sharing content. Now, Sergey, I know you know how powerful uh, a cultural voice or influence is. Uh, what, what's that aimed at here? At sharing, excuse me, sharing what? Um, at, sharing, at sharing content. So the, the two broadcasters from the two different countries, the state broadcasters have agreed to share content. Um, and let me throw this to Sergey. I'm curious about what you think they're trying to aim at here in terms of trying to create a broader cultural influence to counter the West, perhaps? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, not so much against the West. It's, uh, first of all, uh, Russia and China has to stay together uh, against the United States of America. Uh, because uh, from uh, both Russian and uh, Chinese point of view, uh, we are interested to cooperate with uh, Europe, uh, but uh, Europe under the US uh, domination, imperialist domination, I would say, United States are prohibited to the Europe to cooperate with both uh, China and Russia. So Russia and China are interested about liberation of uh, uh, Europe against uh, American uh, imperialist uh, hegemony and uh, domination. Uh, so uh, both countries are interested to develop such a relationship. I mean, we might Europe. as well be in the 1950s. I mean, we are 
listen to this. I mean, listen to what we're hearing. The words, it's like, it's like a bad dream. It really is. And I don't think China wants to be part of this bad dream. China's uh, uh, relations with the West uh, are just too, too, too broad. And economics matter too much. Sergey, keep sending China all your oil and gas. They'll be very happy. They can resell it to, to Europe as they've been doing and make money. Um, this is well, a, uh, a let, death let spiral for question, Russia. Russia then. is not going to be an I, I do want to make sure that Henry is also part of this conversation and, and giving the Chinese point of view here, because as you say, economics is critical. You mentioned earlier that there was a speculation about whether or not China might supply arms to Russia in this conflict. That's obviously a very fine line. I, I know China has said there are no forbidden areas of cooperation, but that was before the Russian invasion. Henry, this is a really, really, uh, I guess, fine balancing act here. How's that going? Well, well, this time we haven't heard uh, uh, the, the no limit uh, uh, the talking this time. Mm. But, uh, but certainly, I mean, uh, economic and trade relations has always been improving. China wants to maintain good relations with all with its neighbors. Uh, of course, Russia be the largest neighbor. China certainly wants to maintain good relations. But same is true with uh, with India, with Japan, with with Vietnam, with everyone. I mean, it's just now. I think China and, and Russia, um, you know, they share a lot of, uh, uh, you know, same as, as as I said. You know, they've been both bashed very hard by the U.S., particularly China. China is even put uh, be, be before Russia as U.S. Uh, number one rivalry. So, so I think that that is the case. That uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we want to maintain a, a global uh, UN uh, type of order that. Uh, you know, all the countries has to be uh, really, uh, uh, you know, have a, have its own right to develop and have and its own uh, so, pursue its own. Uh, so, to be very clear here, Henry, you don't see China at any point wanting to send weapons or arm Russia in any way, because then it would pot potentially face the same sanctions that Russia is facing. Well, China has said that many times. I mean, China Defense Minister uh, last year said that the Shangri-La Dialogue, China does not provide any material military support to Russia. And China only provided the humanitarian aid to Ukraine, so so I don't think China has uh, has uh, has uh, you know violated that. China has actually been repeatedly saying they provide no uh, military uh, to 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 the to the Russian for this fighting this war. So so I think that is has been very clear. Mm -hmm. I think I, I have wrote a op-ed on the on New York Times uh, last year mm -hmm. at the same time when war was broke out. We 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 want to call it a, a UN you know seven-party talk. That's P five plus. Uh, 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 you, you know, Ukraine and the EU, let's have a peace summit. I mean, China, you know, the, China is the only country now that is really proposing peace talks. And, uh, you know, we have to end this by peace talk, not by continuous fighting on that. Henry, so I think, you know, it's really important that we, we sit down and talk. Sure. You speak there about a global order. And one of the things that I found very interesting coming out of this visit now, she in, in Russia, was that Putin seems to have endorsed the Chinese yen as the currency of choice over the US dollar or the euro. And he's now, I believe, encouraging the developing world to also use it in its dealings with Russia. Uh, Sergei, from the Russian perspective, what does this multipolar economic order look like? Uh, uh, Russia believes that a uh, multipolar uh, world is uh, mm -hmm. exactly uh, international uh, democracy. Uh, and uh, that uh, uh, United States and Europe should respect uh, the multi-polarity of the world and also uh, that different uh, nations uh, has a right to choose uh, different uh, political and uh, cultural systems. 
and di different religious uh, system. And uh, it's uh, on, on another hand, it's politically, uh, that pluralist, uh, the world should be pluralist. Uh, and of course, the uh, United States uh, would be one uh, polar of this uh, global world, uh, resisting to this uh, historical trend. That's why we believe that we are Russia and China on the right side of the history, on the history of progress, and United okay. States against progress. So uh, we are country. clearly seeing a broader realignment here. Sergey, you're saying that this is about diversity, wanting a multipolar world for, for that reason. Uh, Toby, I, I want to ask you, because I wonder if the view from Washington is that this is now becoming two blocks, the Western Europe, perhaps, and the West broadly on, on one side, Russia and China on the other. Is that the view? And where does that leave the developing world? I think that's the view. Um, I think um, uh, Russia is developing a war economy, um, increasing its army, sending more troops to Ukraine, uh, controlling its society. China has no interest in a war economy. Uh, the economic model of Russia has nothing to offer uh, to Chinese development. Um, uh, it's hard to have an international currency based on, on, China, on China's currency. China uses the dollar. Uh, China wants trade with Europe. Um, that's one of the reasons they have good relations with Belarus, because that's the opening to Europe. They're not giving up on Europe because of Ukraine. That is that is for sure. So I, I really don't see um, uh, uh, the world uh, divided that way. I think the Chinese leadership is very, uh, very aware of China's um, rise. Mm -hmm. And when you have a rising power, you can afford to be a little more flexible. It's when you're on the defensive and you feel the world is really against you, which is how Russia feels, that you make mistakes. And I, and I really worry about that because China doesn't mind having a dependent Russia or a weak Russia, but it does not want a Russia that is not stable. And that is why this meeting was so important, because it shows China and Russia together as uh, stable countries, this is for sure. a domestic audience. A lot of this, uh, a lot Toby, of this. I'm interested in, in something that you just said there. This idea that Russia is on the defensive and that China perhaps isn't, but we have been hearing some quite interesting language come out of China. President Xi has been criticizing the U.S.'s, and I quote here, all-round containment, encirclement, and suppression of China. Henry, that's some very deliberate Cold War language there. Well, well, we see the Cold War deeds, actually. You know, now U.S. is practicing more. I mean, we have a thousand Chinese companies being on the sanction or entity list of U.N. We have a CHIPS Act. We have uh, AUKUS just, uh, you know, building the nuclear submarines. And then we have uh, Quad and we have, uh, you know, IPAF. We have, uh, you know, Five Eyes and uh, NATO's. I mean, China is, is really pursuing economic globalization. China wants to do Belt and Road, AIB, you know, and uh, RCEP, CPTPP, DPA, and all those things. So, so I, I see a different uh, model of a, of a pursuit because the uh, U.S. really secured uh, more uh, militarization and, of course, uh, secure alliances. China is pursuing more economic alliances, including with China, Africa, China, Arab, China, Latin America, and China, Central Asia. So I think, you know, in the end, probably economic globalization will have to go back to the basics. The economic globalization uh, will prevail because that's really bread and butter of everybody. And uh, we have to really, we see the, so, you know, the banks collapsing in the U.S. and in Europe. We will have to really come to the basics and not really fighting this geopolitical war. Let's let's go back. Let's stop the war. And uh, let's really pursue the peace and economic globalization. It's not perfect, but let's improve it. Let's enhance it. And it's strengthening the WTO, WHO, and uh, and let's work together. That's most important. 
And also, what was the U, uh, U, Ukraine-Russian conflict? Let's get G7. You know, P5 plus uh, Ukraine to talk, and let's have a peace summit. I mean, uh, and, and the U umbrella, and uh, let's make things move forward, and not mm -hmm. not really uh, have to start something. Very interesting. It does feel like I, I'm sorry. We're going to have to leave could it I there, just... but but I do feel like we're seeing a world now where economics is perhaps trumping politics here. Uh, we'll have to leave it there for now. But thank you to all of our guests: Sergey Markov, Henry Hu Yao Wang, and Toby Gatti. This episode was produced by Mohamed El Aishi, Abdurrahman Chelik, Songin Yen, and Gemma Harris. Studio sound by Aston Goodison. The program was edited by Lin Yuan and Joda Frias. Do be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every one of our episodes. Thanks for listening and tune in again on Thursday for our next one.